Welcome to the old school meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. I'm Abby. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovering bulimic. But those are just the two that I say when I identify I'm just all the things in all the programs. I could qualify for all of them. But since I'm OA is my longest um, term 12-step fellowship and the one that has kept me alive, not just abstinent, I owe a huge debt of gratitude. And I actually feel incredibly honored to be leading this meeting because I've been listening to it quite a bit lately. And I'm so glad to, and whoever started the meeting, um, I'm so grateful for your service because it's been helping me stay not only abstinent, but alive in the last couple of weeks. And thank you, Beverly, for asking me to lead. Um, I just want to go back before I go to what it was like. I just want to go back to the, in the format, what the definition of abstinence is. Um, Cause I was really struck by it that the OA approved definition of abstinence is the act of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. Um, and what I love about that, it doesn't say I need to be perfect at that act or perfect at working towards those things, um, that I'm striving towards that. Because to me, that's a continual process as opposed to what it looked like before I came into the rooms, which was like I was either doing it or I was a piece of you know what. You know, I was either on the diet or, or skinny, or I was, you know, the way that my disease works, or it didn't deserve basically to be on the planet. And that's the way I've learned my disease manifests. And I'm just so grateful that I don't listen to that voice anymore. And uh, just to tell my story, and this is just my story. Uh, these are my beliefs. I work this program of recovery, but I don't represent OA. Um and I just want to ask my higher power to speak through me and get my ego out of the way because I'm actually nervous about this because I love this, um, what I've been hearing and the, the speakers that you guys have been getting. And, um, but to go back to what it was like, I walked into the rooms um, almost 18 years ago, it was January, 2005, but my disease manifested um, in my youth and eating was around forever, but that wasn't the first compulsion that I was um, shamed for in my household. And now looking back and because of program and the many other modalities that I practice, I now know um, that I grew up in a really scary household and I used food to comfort myself, but I didn't know that at the time. Uh, I just thought there was something very wrong with me because I was getting that message quite a lot, especially around the way I looked and what I was doing. Um, and there was a lot of emphasis on me needing to look and act perfect. And that's why I really liked what I read in the abstinence because I don't need to be perfect. I just need to be, you know, willing to work this program of recovery and be willing to show up. Um, and in the traditions, it says, you know, anybody who comes to OA and welcome to the newcomers and has a desire to stop eating or doing these behaviors compulsively is who we welcome. Um, and thank God I don't have to do it perfectly because if I was expected to do that, I would have been out of the rooms. Um, but for me, I used food to soothe. It wasn't the first thing I used to soothe. For me, um, thumb sucking was my first thing. There was a war on that. 
my parents, specifically my mother, was not happy. Um, there was that started the shaming of things, my behaviors, my self-soothing behaviors. The next thing, when I was seven, I started pulling out my eyelashes and eyebrows as a self-soothing technique. That definitely was not okay in my family. There's a huge emphasis on the way that I looked. Um, my mother's a total stage mother. She was trying to get me to perform and act and pulling out your eyelashes and eyebrows is definitely uh, a way to kill that career, uh, which I never wanted to do anyway, but a lot of ne negative focus then on how that was ruining that for her. And I was ruining myself uh, and I was very defective. The food and food behavior started to show. I was always eating when I was younger. I was, uh, it's so funny, these stories looking back because prior to when it started showing up on my body, I remember going to a restaurant. I grew up in Chicago. We went to this like fish restaurant and I ate an entire plate of frog's legs. I must've been like six. And one that's was unusual for them, I guess, to see. And they gave me like a t-shirt and they gave me like a extra dessert. And everyone was so excited. Look at this kid. She like great attention until it wasn't good attention until it started showing up on my body around puberty. So then started the diets. I was probably eight on my first diet. I did all the diets. Um, and then I started taking on all of these, manipulating my body, trying to stop all these behaviors like that was, it was, I was doing all these things in secret and so, so much willpower to try and stop all of them, the thumb sucking, the hair pulling, the, the eating, like I, and I would just feel so demoralized because I couldn't, but then I would put this mask onto the world. And that's so part of my disease of like what I was showing to the world and all these behaviors I was doing behind the mask to self-soothe and how disgusting I was because of them. And it only escalated these behaviors that I needed to engage in to try and manipulate my body. And um, when I went to college, I picked up new tools to try and manipulate my body. I picked up compulsive exercise. I picked up bulimia. I picked up for briefs and anorexia. And again, going back to this perfectionism that I have, I thought I was, a, I always thought I was such a failed anorexic. Um, but I realize now looking back, I was so good at it. I gave myself mono because of the crazy things. I was overworking. That's a part of my disease. Uh, how it manifests is overworking and trying to overachieve to try and gain this, you know, what I've been to fill this God-sized hole that I have that I, you guys Six have told me. Thank you. So I'll fast forward. Lots of crazy, not crazy, lots of compulsive behaviors to try and um, get to this perfect thing. And it was, um, what it was like is that I, they, I couldn't, I couldn't fix my body. I couldn't manipulate it. No willpower in the world, no thinking, finding the new book diet would work. And I moved, I'd moved to New York for a big job. The, the behaviors got even bigger when I was on my own independently and working a big job after school and financially independent. And I moved to LA where I didn't have, I still didn't, I, I, I couldn't do it. And I was amongst all these people who I thought were so beautiful and my body didn't look a certain way. And I didn't think I deserved to be there. Um, and if only I could change and manipulate my body, then I deserved to be in this world that I, this job that I had amongst the people that I was amongst all these beautiful people. And um, if I just solved that problem, everything would be okay. Lo and behold, I learned I don't have a body problem and getting my body to a number to a right way. I have a life problem. Because my binge buddy from college, I always say this, she didn't 12 step me, she 12 stomped me because for six months, she was telling me to go to Overeaters Anonymous and I was 
not okay with going to a program with this name. Uh, and it was only when another commercial diet program failed that, and I had nothing left to do that I was willing to walk into these rooms. And that was when I was 24 years old. And now I'm almost 42. And I would not, I know for a fact, I would not be on this planet still if I hadn't walked into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous almost 18 years ago. Um, because I learned at that age, I had no coping mechanisms. Uh, I first had just had to get an abstinence that I could do. And it was that opposite. I, God graced me with an, a sponsor that I got in my sec. I, I count my abstinence date when I started working with my sponsor. And that was two weeks into work coming to program. And I just, I'm such a good student. I just did what you guys told me to do. Find someone who has what they want and do what they do. And I found my sponsor for those of you who've been to kitchen sink when it was back at the log cabin on Robertson. She stood up and she was the newcomer contact and she looked kind of how I wanted to look and she just had an energy and I asked her to be my sponsor and almost 18 years later, she's still my sponsor. And that's God's gift to me because I just needed someone so unconditionally loving and so gentle to teach me how to be that for myself and not be restrictive and not be perfectionistic. And we found an abstinence that worked for me that wasn't restrictive. And then a food plan that's changed over the years as my body's changed, as my medical stuff has changed. And what it allowed me to do is to learn the tools of this program um, to help me live my life. Uh, so I knew how to cope with things other than compulsions. And uh, it took a couple of years of using these new tools before I uh, lost the weight, before I got to maintaining a healthy body weight, but that was all God. I learned, um, I learned steps one, two, and three, which is how I live my life today. Um, just to fast forward a little bit, uh, I ended up, it was the whack-a-mole game. I put the food down, a toxic relationships came up. I put the toxic relationships down, like drinking came up. That came down. And it was a slow peeling of the onion of all of the different ways I knew how to anesthetize myself until about 10 years into program. And then I finally had no other, like tiny little anesthetizing, no overworking. I had lost a job in 2016. It got, God removed a, a, a job from me. So this was my last thing was like the overworking. So that got removed from me. And lo and behold, what happened? My life exploded because all these feelings, all these buried feelings came up that God was uh, knew I was ready to handle because I had started rewiring my brain with this spiritual program and other modalities. And it was all of these feelings that I had stuffed down with all of the compulsions from my childhood. And it was time for them to come up and out. And uh, I didn't know what it was. It was alarming at the time because I just like, as a person, I never cried. I was just a person who never cried. We didn't cry in my household. Like our, my, my mom would always say, my children don't whine and whining meant crying. And um, I was crying, like cry, waking up crying in the middle of the night. And I don't mean to scare people, but just this is, it was time. My body needed these feelings to come out. And I had these new tools to cope with them. And I had God granted me resources, outside help, so much outside help, so many other people in rooms, 12-step fellowships. I joined another 12-step program for having grown up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. And I started working the steps because I knew the steps worked from this program around trauma. And I learned that it was never my fault. I was never defective. There was this thing my brain came up with, these compulsions to get me out, to check me out of a really impossible environment. And so the way I look at it now, then this going back to this, um, the definition of abstinence is like, I 
my nervous system is not wired to naturally come down. That's why I will sometimes still take extra, extra bites. And that's why I don't do it perfectly. And sometimes my weight fluctuates a little bit. But the miracle of this program is that like I have come up with my sponsor, uh, a really roomy abstinence. That's black and white. I don't binge. I don't purge. I don't compulsively exercise. And I work the program to the best of my ability. That's my abstinence. I have a food plan that changes. I have food behaviors that are like red light, yellow light, green light list. So when I'm, so when, you know, I weigh myself once a month and that's sort of my guardrails. Um, but what's never happened is I've never not been in the same size clothing for 18 years. That's crazy. That is a miracle of program. Yeah, they may be a little tight here and there, but that's another guardrail of like, all right, now we really go back to basics. Like that's, thank you so much. So how do I work my program today, you know, while maintaining this healthy body weight um, or striving to, um, which I'm just that for me, like I don't go into body obsession all day long. I'm not thinking about my food all day long. So I have life in between. So what this program has, do has done is taught me how to deal with life in between. And like when things get hard and things get scary, um, I have a higher power to lean on. And it's only because of this program that I've been able to have the flexibility to go where God's navigated me. And that's been to start my own business. Uh, I would have never done that to deal with the discomfort of that. I'm a freelance person. I, um, I have to deal with the roller coaster of emotions of like when the next job is going to come. That there's no way I would be able to do that without program and a higher power. And you guys, guess what? I learned that my disease tells me I'm this thing called terminally unique. I'm the only person who's ever started their own company. I'm the only person who's ever been freelance. I'm the only person that's ever dealing with like the stress of financial difficulty. No, that's the first thought. That's the disease thought. The muscle memory and the rewiring of my brain that's come from being in a spiritual program of recovery is that then the second thought is, why don't you call a fellow? Uh, why don't you go to a meeting? And so just to like a God shot of even the last six months. So I had this great job that I got through like totally working my steps one, two, three, and being in the faith. I got that in 2019 when I was at a real low, but I just kept going and kept showing up one day at a time. God, you show me what to do. God, you show me what to do do my writing in the morning. I get down on my knees. This is how I work. I do it one day at a time. I get down on my knees in the morning. I may wake up with a panic in my chest, but the way I don't go to the food is that I get down on my knees next. I say the first, second, and third steps. I say the serenity prayer and I say um, the third step prayer. The third step prayer, I basically need all, all day long to remind me to get out of my will or else, like if I'm in my will, I'm going to the food. If I'm in it long enough, I'm going to the food because then I'm thinking I can control my life and then I need to soothe that anxiety. Um, and thank God I'm not the one who controls my life or anybody or anybody else. But this great job that I had went away in the end of May, early June. I thought I knew what the rest of this year was going to look like. I thought I knew what the next year was going to look like. And let me tell you what happened. That anxiety and uncertainty, because I'm still a compulsive eater and my <laughs> compulsive eater, the way I'm wired, I was taking extra bites. And lo and behold, the pants were getting a little tighter, but this is how I work my program and my abstinence. I had heard in a meeting in another fellowship, somebody say, I'm doing a 90 and 90. And I learned to listen to that God voice now, my gut. I heard someone else in a program say, your gut is God uttering truth. 
So when I hear that little ding, I'm like 90 and 90. I've been in program 17 plus years. I've never done a 90 and 90. I think I need to do a 90 and 90. So I'm like, I'm going to do a 90 and 90. So I started doing a 90 and 90 and it helped turn down the dial and the anxiety because every day I was hearing the message that God's got it. And lo and behold, I stopped having to take so many extra bites. And I started being in the in the um, solution. And I got to be, with the time that I had, I got to be of service. And I was filling myself up and like feeling productive because that for me is something that I like to do. And like, I didn't have to go to the food. And lo and behold, two days before the end of my 90-90, I got a new job. Two days. <laughs> I mean, that's just a miracle that I was showing up in that way. And now I'm here in Boston. I'm in this crazy job, but I'm not taking extra bites. I'm putting my program first. I'm, um, I, I have crazy hours. I'm in television production. So I have to get up tomorrow at like five something. It's already, you know, it's nine, almost 10 o'clock here at night. But for me, the only way that I can, um, show up and do my job is because God is my employer. And this is what I put first. And I love what I do, but I, I don't love it when I'm not working my program really strongly. So I will go to any lengths. I'm constantly texting fellows. If I get activated during the day, instead of going to craft services, I text a fellow or I'll walk away and leave a voice note. And thank God for all this technology. Like I was getting voice notes all day today from fellows across the world because I was feeling anxious and I didn't want to go to the food. And that's a miracle. Again, it's, it's, I have these tools. I would never have learned how to cope with my own anxiety. I can easily eat when I'm happy is when I'm sad, I've learned. Um, so like what, anytime a feeling is big, I sort of want to dissociate from it. And now I don't have to do it with any of these compulsions. And what I get to do is feel expansively. I was so numb before. And so now I get to feel joy as much as I feel anxiety. I get to feel super connected as much as I can feel scared sometimes. So I would so much rather be in these big feelings and sometimes be uncomfortable than be numb. And you guys are the ones who taught me how to do that. And I'm so grateful. And I listen to the podcasts every morning when I get ready to remember, remember to bring God into my day. And that's why I'm so grateful that this meeting started to be able to hear the message because um, I've been really enjoying the speakers. So thank you guys for having this meeting. And I'll wrap up with that. Thanks for letting me share.